0: Perfect. Wonderful. Um, Would you welcome Kelsey. Kelsey's going to do our reading this morning. If you have a Bible, um, do you want to come and turn to it? It's going to come up on the screen as well. You want to turn to Luke 19, uh, verses uh, 1 to 10. Hi, Kelsey.
1: Um, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to the guests of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of the Lord came to seek and to save the lost.
0: This is the word of the Lord thanks be to God. Uh, Let's pray before I speak this morning. Lord God, thank you for, again, for your presence with us. And we pray now that as we reflect on your word and we ask that you would speak to us and reveal something again of your love for us and how we might enter into all the things that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. On Wednesday, the 8th of February, 2023, in the University of Asbury in Kentucky, uh, students gathered for what was a normal, just a normal everyday chapel service. But something happened during that chapel service, that ordinary chapel service. It was God's Spirit moved in quite a powerful way that they hadn't seen uh, before. And The worship and the prayer that was in that chapel just continued. As students began to just stay, they wanted to stay and continue to worship. And people began to hear what was happening. So then they would would show up. They want to come see. They want to join in as well. And this um, chapel service ended up going on for 16 days straight, nonstop prayer and worship. And thousands and thousands and thousands of people came um, to see what was going on over that period. Even people flying from across the world to catch what was happening in this chapel in Asbury University. Some, some people are calling it a revival, and a, a particularly a revival among sort of Gen Z. And others are calling it an, an awakening, awakening. Well, whatever it's called, what it is was an outpouring, a powerful outpouring of God's Spirit. And it's encouraged Christians all across the world And over a week ago, we streamed the leadership conference here in the building and uh, the leadership conference online. And I was able to go at the start of May to be at the leadership conference in person in London. And we got to hear, as part of that conference, we got to hear from four of the students who had been involved in that revival, in that outbreak of God's spirit. And we got to hear the impact, hear some of the stories of what happened uh, when that was happening and get a sense of what God was doing. It was incredibly encouraging. It was really, really inspiring. And I think the reason why so many Christians across the world and so many Christian leaders and and people of faith have been encouraged by this move of God's spirit is it because it resulted in breakthrough in so many areas. Students' mental health seemingly healed, having encountered what God was doing. There there were healings, there were manifestations of God's Spirit. There was this altar rail at the front, and they were sharing stories that as people were coming and kneeling at this altar rail in confession and in repentance, that uh, as they went away, people were visibly seeing sort of chains on the rail as, as people left, having been healed of the chains that were holding them back. And people were just saying, Can you see the chains? Can you see the chains? And just from all sorts of things, people are being healed from. I also heard that someone shared um, with a friend of mine that they, the counselors at the university now don't have anyone coming along to, to receive counseling from them because they've been healed. And they are almost sending out reminders saying, we're still here if you would like counseling. But the students have just had this experience of God and a move of his power that they don't feel the need to anymore. It's incredibly encouraging. And we want that sort of breakthrough in our lives, don't we? We want it for ourselves. We want it for our families. We want it for the people of Torbay. And we want it for the world. And I hear those stories and I think, yes, God, please, like, would we see that? Would we see the same for the people in the bay? Would we see the same move of God's spirit breakthrough in our families, in our homes, in our workplaces and in our schools? And I feel like we all have a desire for breakthrough for that sense of of change, that peace in life, or for that freedom from worry and anxiety. We We all desire freedom from the chains that hold us back in life. We want to see a difference. We want to see a change, and we want to see breakthrough in our lives. And the title of my message this morning is that breakthrough is possible. Breakthrough is possible. But having reflected over the last month or so, just hearing these stories, being able to go to that conference and hearing the stories, I've been reflecting on some things. And I want to share um, this week and next week four, four things which I feel like are keys to breakthrough. If you truly desire breakthrough in your life and in, in the lives of the people around you, I think there are four really key components to that. So I'm going to talk about two this week. And I'm going to talk about another two next week. And these are sort of my, as, as your pastor or your vicar or however you refer to me, um, don't tell me if it's rude. However you refer to me, um, these, these are sort of my reflections based on what's happened over the last couple of months. And where I feel maybe as, as a church, we might step into some of these things. Um, This isn't to say that do these four things and you will, like, guaranteed see breakthrough in your life. It doesn't always happen like that. But I have noticed, and upon reflecting on these things, that breakthrough doesn't happen without these things. And so today I want to talk about repentance and I want to talk about surrender. And then next week I want to talk about desire or hunger and devotion. So let's uh, go with that first one then. Uh, The first of these is repentance. Breakthrough is possible uh, because of repentance. That very attractive word, which I'm sure we all talk about with our friends down at the pub. The Greek word metanoia denotes this sort of change of mind, uh, a reorientation of our life, a turning away from wrong and turning to right, almost like a complete 180 turn. I'm slowly getting familiar with all the roads in the bay, uh, figuring out all the shortcuts to places and also working out where I can't drive and at what times I can't drive there. I'm slowly learning the names of the road. Because when we first moved to the bay, not uh, almost two years ago now, I I had to make a few trips to the tip. And my very first trip to the tip, I made a classic rookie mistake. I thought I'd be in and out and back home within half an hour, but I left the tip and went up the road and I turned left back down the road I came from. Some of you know what I'm talking about, don't you? And I didn't know that that meant I was now stuck in a one-way route. I couldn't turn back onto the main road uh, to head back home, but I was heading deeper into Paynton, into Colleton, uh, back uh, down that road I came. And uh, I just kept thinking, well, at some point, I'm going to be able to turn around. Some point, there's going to be a moment for me to turn around. and I'm not, I'm, I'm not one of those drivers who will just like stop and turn around. Like I'll wait for a really um, appropriate place to turn around so I don't disrupt all the other drivers. But I didn't manage to turn around until I came to a roundabout in Totnes. And my 30-minute round trip <laughs> became an hour and 30 minutes before I got home. Fiona was like, where were you? And I was like, I have no idea. I just needed to turn around, turn around and head in the right direction. Now I know. You you, you come out of the tip and you turn right towards the UK's worst rated KFC. That's where you go, isn't it? That's where you go. And then you'll be fine. C.S. Lewis, the author of many Christian books and the, the Chronicles of Narnia, he said, we all want progress. But if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn, And walking back to the right road, repentance is key to breakthrough because repentance is about recognizing that where I'm heading now is not leading to life. It's heading to Totnes. No, actually, sorry, no comment on Totnes at all. That that was accidental. But the path that Jesus offers us does lead to life. Zacchaeus, having encountered Jesus. He repents of his wrongdoing, and then he finds salvation. In verse 8, we read Zacchaeus stood up and says, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Repentance. Repentance is so important because as Martin Luther once said, the recognition of sin is the beginning of salvation, as we saw with Zacchaeus. The recognition of sin, the need for repentance, the need for turning around is the beginning of salvation. Because left to my own devices, I'm heading in the wrong direction. Left to my doing things my own way, I'm not heading in the direction that leads to life. Whether I'm doing that consciously, consciously choosing the wrong path, or whether I'm doing it unconsciously, I'm not quite aware of it. But through repentance, we're back on track. And in Christ and by his spirit, he guides us on the right path. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then St. Peter, as we remembered last week on the day of Pentecost, he says, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Uh, July 9th, I'm really excited for. July 9th is Baptism Sunday Sunday. We've got a few people who are going to be baptizing in the sea. And we're going to have a chance to hear their stories in the service beforehand. If you're here today, you haven't been baptized then I would love you to get involved on that Sunday in particular. It starts with repentance, and we can do that through, through baptism. And so I'd love, yeah, if you, if you haven't been baptized, uh, do come find me. I'd love to chat to you. I'd love to get you on that. We're, we're baptizing some of our youth as well who wanted to get, back, get baptized off the back of their youth weekend away, which is just really, really encouraging. Baptism. Baptism Sunday. Come find me if you want to get baptized. It starts with repentance, And then repentance is a daily thing. Saint Augustine encourages us. He says, God has promised forgiveness to your repentance. We don't need to be fearful when we come to God in repentance that he's going to heap more and more shame over us. We feel enough shame already. Jesus came to take away our shame. And in repentance, we can be confident of God's forgiveness for us. And so what's the practical thing with repentance? What can we practically do? Well, the practical step for repentance is confession. Confession. Confession to God. Confession and open honesty with those around us as well who can encourage us in our, in our repentance and in our walk with God. I'm, I'm going to guide us through a, a liturgy of confession later when we when we sort of enter a time of, of prayer. Liturgy is simply a framework and a repeated pattern of words that help form us into the person of Jesus. And that's why liturgy is really important. And even though we're a C of E church, we don't have much liturgy. I like to bring in a bit of liturgy for us as well. Words that we can repeat and say over and over again that help form us into the people um, that God has called us to be, helping form us into the person of of Jesus and in doing so forgiveness is on offer and in that forgiveness comes peace and freedom so breakthrough is possible and it starts with repentance that's the first thing the second key to breakthrough is surrender or, if I, you know, I, you know, I love alliteration, re surrender. If you've given your life to God before, re surrender. Because through daily committing and recommitting our lives and our hearts to Jesus, we find life. A lot of you know where my heart lies when it comes to football, and that's Brighton and Hove Albion. Seagulls, let's go. But full confession time here. I'm going to practice what I've just preached. Full confession. Growing up, I wasn't a Brighton fan, but I was a Man United fan. Here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's a photo. Here's a couple photos. And for all the Man United fans in the room, they're probably not in the room, are they? After yesterday. Oh, there are some. I'm so sorry about yesterday. I've saw, I can't see a few of my United fans as well. They, they're probably upset. Um, <laughs> now I don't know why I supported Man United. Uh, well, I probably do. They were the best team at the time, uh, so I was going for that. I don't remember much of my childhood, but I definitely remember the Champions League final in '99, big moment. But a couple of seasons later, I I began to question why am I? Why do I support Man United? I've never been to Manchester. I have no family links. I have no ties or anything, no connection to Man United. And I asked my dad, what's the family team? He said, well, your granddad supports Fulham. And I said, oh, is there anything else? Is there anything else I can go for? And he said, well, you should support Brighton. We live in Brighton. You you were born in in the hospital. You've grown up here. It's the local team. And so I did. I committed and surrendered my heart (laughs) to Brighton and Home Albion. And gave them my support. And for years, for years, I was asked the question, yeah, but what Premier League team do you support? Well, to all my Chelsea, where, where's Alfie? No, Alfie's gone. Where's my Chelsea and Tottenham fans? What European playing football team do you support? Because I support Brighton. Anyway. Anyway. Daily recommitment, resurrender to Jesus. Because if we don't, if we don't commit ourselves to Jesus, we end up committing ourselves to someone or something else. There's no neutral ground in the life of faith. There's no neutral ground in the life of formation. We were created and uh, to, to worship and to devote our lives to God. And if we don't actively then choose to... Um, uh, to to live out that innate desire within us to project it to God in worship and love of Him, then that innate desire within us will drive us to other things, and we'll devote ourselves to somewhere else. Let me give you another another example through another confession. I realize I'm confessing a lot today. I downloaded this app recently, which delays the opening of another app. So if you're like me, you may have one or two apps on your phone that you spend way too much time on. And for some, it's Candy Crush or whatever the game is now. That was like 10 years ago, wasn't it? Or whatever, for me, it's Instagram. Instagram, I spend a lot of time on Instagram. So I I downloaded this app that whenever I open up Instagram, this other app kicks in and it delays the opening of it by 10 seconds. And it sort of says, take a deep breath. And then and it goes down. And then at the end of it, it gives me the choice. It says, Do you still want to go to Instagram? And having had that pause, because usually it's just the mindless thing of like, I pick up my phone, I just open it, and then I just scroll and I lose 10, 15 minutes of my life um, doing that. And it goes, Do you really want to go to Instagram? I'm like, you're right, my phone. I don't want to go to Instagram anymore. And most times I choose not to carry on. And um, I mean it's work. Just look at the difference in weekly usage on Instagram. I went from six hours a week to two hours a week. Hey, there's no, this is confession. There's no judgment. There's no judgment. I feel a lot of judgment in the room. I feel a lot of judgment in the room. Now, where my time on Instagram has decreased, my time spent on Twitter has increased, so I've now gone from 41 minutes a week on Twitter to two hours. I might have sorted it out for one thing, but that craving, that, that trying to just sort of that, that boredom I have. Uh, and I, I want to, I you know, uh, whatever the word is. I, I'm, I'm working it out in another way, and it's Twitter that's doing it now. And in life, it will be the same for us. If we're not careful, we will just give ourselves to things without realizing money family, success, approval, recognition, lots of other things. And we wouldn't go as far to say that we worship those things or that we surrender to those things. But that is the reality because we were created to wholly commit to God. And if it's not God, it's something else. And the problem when it's something else, when it's like these things, the problem when it's these sorts of things is that they actually take from us. They drain us. They use our energy. They don't lead to life. That's that's what they do. Whereas surrender to Jesus is actually the path to life. It's where we receive strength and it's where we receive power. I noticed this little detail in the passage. It said on verse 3, it said Zacchaeus, he wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Perhaps he didn't know who Jesus was, or perhaps he wasn't sure. Perhaps he hadn't quite fully committed to believing all the hype and all the talk that people were referring to Jesus and the things that he had done. And then, having encountered Jesus, he then ends up referring to him in verse 8 as Lord. He goes from wanting to know who to knowing who Jesus is, Lord, Lord. And he surrendered his life to him. And Jesus' response, as we read, salvation has come to this house today. Because of this man's repentance, because of his recognition that Jesus is Lord. Who is Jesus? He's Lord. And in recognizing that he is Lord is a recognition to surrender to him as Lord. Jesus Jesus wants to be your best friend. He really does. He really wants to be your best friend and get to know you. But he also wants to be Lord of your life. As many of you know, I was 19 years old when I decided to turn my back on church and God. And I'd I'd grown up in church, but my life had become a mess. And I blamed a lot of people for that. I blamed the church, I blamed God especially, and I also blamed myself. And I felt broken. And so I went after all these things to try and mend myself. I went after all these things to try and mend this, this hole I felt that was in my life. And it actually made things worse. And it was until a Sunday morning in 2010 when I woke up. And it, it was I woke up after a pretty heavy night, heavy Saturday night. And I just woke up and I just said to myself, what am I doing with my life it just so happened HTB, a church in London, the, the network of churches that we're a part of, had planted a new church in Brighton in St. Peter's Church. And I decided I'm going to go there tonight. And I remember the moment walking up the steps of the, uh, the church before walking through those doors. And I remember just saying to God, God, this is your last chance, because if you don't show up tonight, then I, I'm never coming back. And I went in and I just felt this immense peace come upon me. It felt like I had come home. And that night I recommitted my life to Jesus. I said, Lord, you are Lord. You are Lord of my life. And and I have been doing so ever since and every day ever since. Through surrender, we find life. And if it can feel like surrender is the weak thing to do, it's what, you know, it's what Armies do when they're not strong enough to to win the war. They say, okay, we surrender. It can feel maybe it's the weak thing to do, but with Jesus and surrender to Jesus, it's actually through weakness, through that surrender, that we find strength and we find power. When we surrender the need to have it all figured out, where we surrender the need to, to be in control of our lives and perhaps to surrender the need to have all our questions answered and have everything figured out. When we surrender like that, we find life. And nowhere better do we see this than in the life of Jesus. Jesus surrendered himself on the cross. He gave up his life in order to save us. It was through Jesus' act of of weak, well, seeming weakness and powerlessness and his surrender, which then led to the greatest triumph and act of power the world has ever seen, when he defeated death, defeated sin, defeated shame, and then rose again to show us that life is possible with him. Surrender is the path to life. Surrender is the key to the breakthrough that we all crave for. And breakthrough is possible through surrender. What's the practical? Well, if confession is the practice of repentance, then prayer is simply prayer is the practice of surrender because prayer reorients our lives to God's will. When we pray, we, we, we say, God, your will be done. Think about entering into a situation. I don't know what it is. Perhaps it's a, a difficult conversation that you have to have. Perhaps it's that room at the hospital where you're going to get some news. Perhaps it's uh, that thing that's causing your mind to race uh, with anxious thoughts. Or perhaps it's that decision to be made. Whatever it is, whatever situation, imagine stopping and stopping to pray. And aligning yourself with God's will and surrendering to him again to receive his peace, to receive his wisdom, to receive his strength, to receive his power. And having done that, then walking into that situation, whatever the outcome then is, full of faith and full of life. I'm so, I'm so bad at this that I've got like multiple reminders on my phone and on my watch to, to pray and reminders of Bible verses throughout the day, but they always come at the, most, the best moments of my day when I really, really needed it. Surrender in prayer. So to close, breakthrough is possible. The keys to breakthrough start with repentance and surrender because in repentance we find forgiveness and in surrender we find life it's through repentance that we are back on track we're back on the right road and it's through surrender that god gives us the strength and the power to help us to stay on track and through which breakthrough is possible amen amen would you like to-